This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by eight amazing people. Greg Ross, Illuminati, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, Michael Fritschke, Yvonne Williams, and Doug Malam. Thank you all so very much for helping make this show possible. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And now it's time for everyone's favorite annual edition, the UFO History Show. I'm here with Mike Cleland. Hello. And Aaron Gullius. Hello. Hello. And you have no idea how many people have found this show because of the UFO history shows. Excellent. Wow. Every, I'm always astonished. Every time you, they, we, you give this, it, we seem to be generating a lot of buzz. And it's, it's, I'm like, well, I guess I'm all for it. But uh, Oh, yeah. Because um, you guys, you know, also do cool things. And that, that helps people find your cool things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Aaron has wow. this uh, podcast about, um, ooh, what's it about? It's called The Saucer Life. Uh I can't remember what it's about though. It's, you know, the name isn't really very descriptive, right? Um, it's, it's about, it's about cutlery and dinnerware and, and, and so with a focus on cups and saucers. That's, that's what we're doing these days. And it's incredibly fascinating for some reason. You know, some of those Wedgwood patterns are outstanding. So. And Mike has a, a bevy of books out, including a new fiction book, which is one of the things that happened this year. Mike put out a fiction book. I sure did. Yeah. Me and Joshua. Well, not together. We, it was almost simultaneous. It was pretty close. No, but I mean, you both, you didn't write together. We did not write together. No, it wasn't. Yeah, we didn't. We yeah, we didn't go to the library together and sit in the. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but it's curiously enough. Yeah, well, my character, the main character of my book, shows up in his book because I was done first, and he read my book, and then and he snuck my character into his book. Oh, so, that's cool. I remember him saying that they existed in the same universe. Yeah, I have not read his yet. I have read yours, Mike, and your book is fantastic. Oh, thank you. There's no tentacles in it. We went through yes. this. I just done okay. the quiet part before the, the, I, the audience was here. <laughs> but was that something people were, were hoping no. would be in there? So one I, person was. I, one person was. <laughs> I, I, I wrote him when I got the book, and I said, there's lots of tentacles, right? Knowing, obviously, that that's not what he's writing. And Mike took me seriously for a moment. And then when <laughs> we started great. started tonight, I accused him of promising me Lovecraftian horror, which he did not do. Nor does he has he ever read Lovecraft. I have not. <laughs> I've I I know a little bit about Lovecraft and and such, but I've never actually read him. So, um. well, it's nothing like that at all. It is very much, uh, you know, it's like it's like the Mothman prophecies movie. It's not like literal events, but the vibe is there. Oh, that's that's good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to. Um, oh, we can talk about this later, but but keep well, going. We 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 can. Well, let's uh, talk more, about more it now. Things happened it, in two thousand and it came out this year. Let's talk about it for a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. About, we're able to book. I don't know what this is about. Colin Wright can do it. Um, uh, well, we will do a full I, show on it later, but give people a little bit of an overview. Sure, I'll give a little taste here. Um, so I over the last mm, fifteen years now, actually more than that, if you depending on how you do the math. Um, I have been collecting owl stories, stories that involve owls. Uh, consequently, I am known as the owl guy. Uh, if you Google UFOs and owls, I'm the first thing that comes up. 
And so so I have collected all these stories and people will, will reach out to me and say like, oh, like Mike, I, I've never told my wife this. I've never told my boss this, but here's my weird owl story. And then they'll say, have you ever heard this story before? And oftentimes I haven't heard that exact story. But what I can certainly say is I have heard many stories with that same flavor or mood. So that flavor and mood of the owl stories kind of is imbued in the book. And I, I did a little, like there's a little author's note at the beginning where I say as much. What I should have said, I should have just said it plainly. I should, this I kind of said it poetically and sort of thoughtfully and like a writer should. But what I should have said is, you know, the weirdest stuff in this book probably happened. It's in my file somewhere. So if you're getting, nice. if you get to some point in the book and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, this is too weird. That probably happened. <laughs> and uh, oh, and it's a UFO story without the, the word UFO never once shows up in the book. <laughs> And it's alien never shows up. Abduction never shows up. So I tried to write a UFO book where uh, there where there's no UFOs. And and I, if someone was just even if, I, if someone was if someone picked the book up and read it, not knowing anything about me or the author, or this, they would have no idea it was about UFOs. That's what I wanted. to. That's what I was trying to solve when I did it. That works. Yeah, that totally works. Um, and and and, and you're, you're, you seem to be a good writer as well. I bet you I spent at least six months reading, rereading, rereading the manuscript and going through and taking out every like no, there's no double adjectives. In fact, mm. if there was a long word, I'd find a shorter word. So I went a little crazy and scrubbed that thing so thoroughly. Thank you. And and if and that's not really my skill as a writer. It's more my my weird determination to to have the book be uh i wanted the book to be really playful and a quick read and kind of zip along and by all accounts from the people who have read it they basically say like wow this thing raced right along it it's about 350 pages and it it um it it zips right along and that was really a that was a that was my absolute intention it is a little bit slow at the beginning and then it just shifts into gear I say there's two parts of the book. It has a part one, and then about one third of the way through, it gets to, to part two. And that's the question I would ask people. I would say, what about the, there's a point in the beginning where the main character kind of walks along. He's kind of has this kind of walkabout, spiritual, shamanic quest alone in the desert. Yeah. He's, he goes through a lot of inner dialogue and like asks questions about his youth and lost friends and things like that. So he's a little bit of like a little bit of navel gazing. So it's just, you're just in stuck in his head for the first third of the book. And, uh, and I would ask people when the book first went out, that was the very first question I would ask. It's like, what about the time in the desert? Was that, how'd that work for you? Cause I was super worried it was going to be too boring. Right. And then that was one place where I really sucked stuff out of there. And, and everyone said the same thing. And you even said it too. They, I said, was that, was that, did that work? Did it, was it was it too much in the desert? And then people would say, almost. They would say, oh, it held my attention, but it was just, and that's what I wanted. I wanted, like, and then Joshua actually gave me some good advice for that, where the 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 character, and the, the character's name is John, he gets somewhere. So if you're reading the first book, if you don't know what it's about, and this guy's walking along in the, alone in the desert, just be assured he gets somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the whole and book he, isn't just that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to get somewhere. Yeah, that was everyone's worry. They were like, especially the Kindle versions where you can't really figure out what page you're on. So, mm. um, <laughs> what? Um, so, how much of that character is based on you? Obviously, the character's what? an artist. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like there's stuff that comes out of his, he, he has all his hair, which, which there's a point when he looks, he talks about his hair and he's like, oh my God, my hair was all messy after coming out of the desert. So yeah, he, so he has all his hair, but besides that, he's me. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Okay. All right. There's so some stuff where he talks about uh, like stuff he did as a little kid and drawing and and it's all that's it's me why was it me nice nice i kind of figured um so obviously we have to talk about the most important ufo story that's happened since the last time we talked which happened right at the beginning of the year which is ufos invading a mall in 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 miami i'm sorry aliens invading a mall in miami aaron you want to go with this one it's um it's 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 great uh there was um there there was uh the rumors of shadow aliens so sort of sort of shadow people, but also aliens. There was video, there were pictures of these sort of supposedly tall, dark, shadowy creatures walking around. Um, it, it, it looks, it looks fake. It looks <laughs> deeply fake, but it, it just sort of, um, it just sort of took off. It happened, I think, uh, January, like the first couple days of January. Yeah, first or second, so, I think. Yeah. So it was, um, there's a mall in Miami and, uh, it, it was great. And the, the conspiracy theories, you know, kept, uh, kept popping out. There was a fight at the mall. And, and so cops showed up at the mall. And so people are saying, well, the cops aren't really here for the fight, man. The cops are here because of the, the 10 foot tall right. alien shadow people. <laughs> it's all a uh, cover up. Cause you know, because because teenagers never get in fights at like malls, right? Well, that, I, I, what, what year is it anyway? <laughs> Who's getting in fights at malls? Well, this Who's is at malls. This is this is the thing though. What year is it? So what apparently happened is that these kids were sh- shooting off fireworks in the mall. Oh, jeez! And so they got called in as an active shooter drill, which is why so many cops showed oh, up. Oh, that makes okay. So okay. yeah, what year yeah. is it? It's it's the year of you know it's the year time year, frame year. where we get lots of active shooters. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's why everyone panicked and ran out of the mall and why that huge amount of cops showed up. And somehow this got turned into an alien thing. Uh, Steve Mira, uh, put out a video talking about it and he pulled up some of the graphics that were being shown of these large aliens with people running from them. And he's Uh like, these are AI generated. He's like, take a look at the stores. He's like, the store names are all gibberish. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think I remember seeing some of those, and it's it's very much it's like, oh yeah, that's the logo. No, wait, that's not the logo for <laughs> fill in the blank mall store. That's you know Victor Tron's cement or something. Yeah, exactly. Like um, so yeah, everything's just a little bit off. Um, people probably have six fingers, uh, you know, uh, because AI can't do hands and. Uh, yeah, so it, it it was it was one of those stories that was um, refreshingly dumb after uh, after a 2023 of UFO uh, UFO stories that were um, regrettably and relentlessly uh, self important and overly serious, yeah. while also being dumb. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, <laughs> it, it was yeah the, the shadow people were um, were fun. Um. I was going to say something else about that. Uh, I, I don't know why people wanted to pin aliens on this. Uh, there's like legitimate footage of all the cops, you know, outside yeah. and stuff. And people go, why are there so many cops? And then there's like this little glitch that you can barely see. And someone's like, this, what's this? This looks like an alien to me. And it's like, now nah, it looks like a group of people walking together. That's just not, it's in such low resolution that it just kind of looks like a blob. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a, a, a tweet, uh, has like the footage of all the police cars. And says, I don't know if the rumors about the aliens at the Miami art mall are real, but I do know I've never seen this many police in one place. 
well, there, you see a bunch of cops. It must be aliens, right? <laughs> right. That's the um, first thing you jump to. Right. It, it, it's, I don't know if the rumors about aliens are true. Well, how about no? How about they're not true? <laughs> Just, you don't need to think about, we don't expend thought on whether or not, well, you know, we shouldn't dismiss this without evidence. Yeah, you can. You really can. Um, Al- aliens come to earth and they go, let's go to the mall. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to, right? True. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, so when I first strange. saw it, the number of cops, I was like, yeah, why are there so many cops though? Like, I don't think it's aliens, but then when I heard the stuff about the fireworks and people thinking it was a shooter because fireworks can sound like gunshots and right. it's like, and I'm listening to some of the people talk about it where they're like, I thought gunshots were going off. I heard, you know, I thought I heard gunshots. So me and my, my, you know, girlfriend ran because we didn't know what was going on. I'm going, yeah. Okay. You know, this, this is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's really, <coughs> really, um, pitiful in a lot of ways, but funny. And somehow Mike missed all the fun. I think I saw one little clip of, of people running through a food court at a mall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, so I realized that so there was something about firecrackers and I was, you know, I, I didn't notice there was no UFO, anything in the, in the little clip, but, um, uh, and, and big giant shadow people aren't really a UFO thing. That's like a, a different yeah. avenue or different genre of para of the paranormal. This is true. Um, all right. The rich tradition of shadow people, but yeah. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Seen some myself. Um, all right. So obviously there's lots of disclosure <laughs> stuff. Let's w- go around that a little bit first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we will address it here, but there's, there's <sighs> better things. Um, so let's see. I, Mike, you said Chris Bledsoe put a book out. Christopher Bledsoe senior put out a book called UFO of God, which, uh, which was, um, which he, I, I, I pretty good friends with Chris and I, have talked with him a lot over the last few years. And so he, I was fully aware that he was working on this book. Um, and it has been a monstrous success. Like I kind of know what it means for a UFO book, like to be on, on, uh, you know, the Amazon page and kind of how to read the numbers and kind of how many reviews it gets. Yikes, man. Like there hadn't been a UFO book like this since I'm going to be really cautious since communion in, in its, you know, huge oomph there. And it's called UFO of God. It has a picture of Jesus, the, uh, um, uh, Michelangelo image of Jesus where he's holding the crystal ball and that's the cover image. And, uh, and Chris is this, I, I, I don't, it's, I'm going to be speaking for a friend of mine. So Chris is a very soft spoken, very thoughtful, very humble, very sincere. Like this guy is not, this guy is not making anything up. Um, and I've been at his house and I've had weird experiences at his house. And, um, and the book has talks about his, set of experiences which are pretty intense like wow uh he and he um he also has this kind of he was what's the right term he has been courted and and contacted by all kinds of three-letter agencies and wow does he not shy away from that at all in this first person story so that was that was pretty interesting um and it's it's a pretty quick read and there's an audio book out and I can't remember when it came out uh, somewhere in the middle of the year last year. And, uh, and he has, he has been, he's suffered a lot. He's been at, he's been at the receiving end of a lot of ridicule and a lot of bad energy and stuff like that. So, uh, it's wonderful that the book is, is selling well. And I know that he, and he talks about this too in the story, um, that he was being courted by Hollywood to have his story be turned into a, to a, either a movie or an episodic television series. And I, 
and I don't want to read too much into this, but my sense is that that there was like for Hollywood to attach itself to a project, they're a little more comfortable if a book exists first. I, I do not think he wrote the book to entice Hollywood. He's got a lot of he has been he's actually turned down Hollywood. He's turned down a lot of money. I, I can say that for certain. I've talked to people, not just him, but people around him that that know the ish, the stuff that he's turned down. I know his agent and stuff like that. So, um, but, uh, so, so I think he just wanted the story out there complete from his own voice in case it ever did get kind of co-opted by Hollywood, where there certainly would be some creative decisions made oh, yeah. that changed the story around. So and, and wanted, what, can, can you, in a nutshell, explain to people what's happened to him? I think it was 2007. He had a set of events along the Cape Fear River. He lives in North Carolina. So this is just outside of Fayetteville. And he had like, it was like, it's it, it, the, he, his family grew up there. I knew his, his father has since passed away. I met his mother and father. Um, but he had an experience there where I think he was missing for four or five hours. And he has a powerful set of incredible theatrical events, uh, multiple floating orbs in the sky, and his son went missing, and he went missing, and the people, he was there fishing with a handful of other men, uh, and I went right to the spot, I've been to the spot, it's not much, it's just like mm, a few hundred yards off of a main road, and it's just down a dirt road, and there's a spot, part where you, spot where you park cars, and and so he showed me this is where I was when I saw the being come out of the trees. And this is where I was when I first saw the the giant spheres, like the sun coming out in the evening, like, you know, three suns in the sky. And he pointed to where they were really powerful story. And his son, his I have a lot of sympathy for his son, Christopher Jr. Um, it was, a, I'm not saying anything that's not in the book. Wow, it was a really tough experience for for the son who is, was missing for like four hours and then they everyone was panicking they 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 got in the truck and so after they reappear they get in the truck they're all panicking they don't understand why he was missing chris basically said i just walked over there for 10 minutes and i just came back and they said you were gone for four hours and the same his son had the same story but he went he walked in a different direction and then when they drove home there was like a giant triangle on the road. Their car was being chased by orbs. It's it's a remarkable story. He gets home and he there's there's more stuff going on at his house where there's beings in the yard and just goes on and on and on. Later, he had a very powerful experience that plays out like some sort of Greek myth or something like that, where he was in his yard. And he had a, he claimed, he doesn't claim, this is, he says it very clearly that there was a giant bull in his yard. He's kind of not quite the suburbs, a little more rural, but there's no big bulls in his backyard. And he knew it. He was, he knew it was some sort of apparition. This giant bull charges him at night in his backyard. He's alone. And the way he told it to me in the moment right there, he, he basically said, he said, the bull was right there. I was standing here. The bull charged me, ran me over. He pretty much said, like, I was dead. Like, I knew this would kill me. And then he said, I could look up through the bull and see the stars. And then he turned around and where the bull should have been after it passed him was a lady in white. He calls her the shining lady. Mm. And it was this beautiful angelic lady hovering, emanating a glowing light, hovering about three feet off the ground. And she shared a bunch of things about future events and that he was going to be a spokesman. So it's got this heavy religious bend. He's a very devout Christian. Right. And so he's framing it all in that Christian 
within his that Christian context. And I'm completely at peace with that. And and he does it in a way that's not at all pushy, it's not at all preachy, but you know, he's he uses the word angel a lot where other people might use a different word. Right. So uh but but it's he's he he it's very clear that he's he's well aware that he's painting it with that with that brush. So right after this little you know, there's knocks on the door and people come from from uh you know, NASA and some on some names you'd be familiar with. John Alexander plays a role in the story. Uh the main character from uh Diana Pasolka's book, American Cosmic, who has a pseudonym, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tyler, knocks on the door. So it's pretty. It's a pretty powerful story. So ah, okay. And I've it, been. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the woman in white also figures as as Josh and Tim have found out a lot in Bigfoot encounters. Yep. Yeah, and I have heard it very rarely in in um, UFO encounters. You know what? Here's something that's so Chris. <laughs> Chris, there's about there's about five people that I know that have had like wow, have they had some owl experiences? I I, I qualify as one of them. Chris Bledsoe takes the cake. He's far he has had more bizarre owl experiences than anyone I've ever come across, and they're powerful. And he shares a bunch of those in the book. All right. So. What were you gonna say, Aaron? I was, I was just gonna say I haven't read it yet. I've uh, I've I've heard about it, and it, it sounds really interesting. And one of the things that I noticed when I when I looked at it on Amazon is is there's a whole lot of intelligence people contributing forwards and introductions, and John oh, yeah. Alexander yeah. is mixed up in that. So that's um that's an interesting angle. Uh, wonder what they're curious as to the whole intersection with that. I know that he was involved with talking to some of those, uh, some of those folks. And you, if you can't trust the CIA, who can you trust? But, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it looks like a really interesting book. So Jim Semivan, his name is right at the top of, of the book. You know, he's got the, uh, his blurb is on the, on the cover. And then, and Jim Semivan was part of the, uh, to the stars Academy thing. Okay. And so, so I'm going to, oh, this is, so Chris contacted me. We used to talk on the phone a lot. We talk on the phone occasionally now, but there was a time when we've talked a lot with each other. And I'd been to his house and I'd seen little glowing orbs in his yard. And 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 a, wow, I um, there's some. I had I can't talk about it. It's so personal. But wow, I had like a like synchronicity isn't even the right word for it. Just a powerful event took place when I was with Chris. Um, and uh, but the, the, I'm just tracing back. Oh. He kind of he's talks he talks he talks exactly like Matthew McConaughey. Like if there was I was so disappointed that Matthew McConaughey didn't read the audiobook because they got the same voice. I had this really slow, southern, sweet, gentle voice. So I just <laughs> but he, he contacted me and he said, uh, I don't think I'm saying anything out of sorts here, but this would have been before the the New York Times article came out. And he said, Mike, something's going to happen here real soon. I can't tell you what it is, but something's going to happen here. So he implied that the people he's in contact with, the three-letter agency characters, knew a little bit more. They kind of knew that something was going to come out in the New York Times. I'm inferring. I don't want to say that. Like, here, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. And so I'm this just, I'm that some of this is secondhand information. And I'm inferring, you know, through a single phone call that was a long time ago with Chris. So. So obviously, those three-letter agencies are connected to all this disclosure stuff. Yes. Uh, who wants? Well, to they, they they they're right on the they're you know they're part of that John DeLong or excuse me Tom DeLong thing yeah. and um so they're right I mean they were right there it's the same some of this it's not the same exact set of characters some of the same characters that were part of the Tom DeLong yeah. event and some of those and same characters were you know involved years ago as well I mean yeah 
You get a lot of the same people just recycled. Um, yep. So who wants to talk about Grush? Oh, Grush. Oh, gosh. Oh, but I, have, I can uh, say nothing about Grush because I know absolutely nothing about I it. I probably shouldn't say anything about Grush. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's interesting, you know, former, um, former intelligence person, former Air Force or Air Force officer, former intelligence person, um, you know, te- inter- does these interviews where he's talking about about things he's seen. Wait, no, he's not. He's talking about things people have told him they have seen, which right. is totally, you know, legit, right? He's testifying before Congress, the uh, one of the congressional hearings about, uh, that, uh, that he had um, conversations with people whose names he can't mention that lead him to believe that the U.S. has a secret UFO program and has recovered crashed saucers. So, Back to your point about things being recycled over <laughs> and over and over again. Gosh, somebody must have slipped Grush some issues of UFO magazine from 1996. And he's <laughs> like, wow, this is hot stuff. I better get to Congress. Um, there's There was a lot made of the fact that he, uh, he filed a whistleblower complaint. Um, and uh, people connected this automatically to ufo stuff he's being targeted it's more complicated than that uh the ufos you know might be kind of adjacent to that but what's what's interesting is is that this guy had a uh you know a a solid career apparently and um he uh he was you know co-lead for one of the uf or sorry uap analysis um task force task forces or something like that, um, but uh, it, it's it's really interesting because the the people who who bring Grusha's story to the um, to the, the the public in general, it's Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal, the same people who are behind the the uh, New York Times story that changed the universe and proved UFOs exist. Um, and what's interesting is um, that uh, Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal were acting as independent journalists bringing this because the New York Times and Politico said, you know, there's really not an, a, enough corroboration and evidence to back this story up. So they, they took it to uh, the debrief, which is surely on the level oh, yeah. of, uh, of, those other, uh, of those other news outlets and, and certainly not just a uh, UFO mouthpiece website. But um, it, it, was, uh, it, it was just a fascinating story because he was – he was all over the place. He was in front of Congress. He was on the news or, or News Nation, at least. Uh, Ross Coldhart was uh, interviewing him and and everything. And Joe and Rogan, this, yeah, yeah, Joe Rogan, yeah, another quality media outlet which uh, isn't associated with anything loony. Um, so yeah, he's he's all over the place. But those places he's all over tend to be the Rogans, the news nations. He's not on, you know, Fox, you know, or CNN or MSNBC originally. It's it's these fringe outlets that take him. Um, and of course, that's because there is a global media cover-up to blow off UFO truth, right? It, it's not because this might not be um, actually newsworthy. And it, it's real, what really gets me about Grush is, is that nobody's even pretending that he has firsthand knowledge of any of this. It's all, it's all hearsay. Um, it, it's, it, he's talking about how he went to, um, oh, uh, Kirkpatrick, Sean Kirkpatrick, who was, uh, one of the heads of the, the UAP thing, but you know, Kirkpatrick never followed up with me and 
all this stuff. It just, and then you've got congressmen like Burchett, you know, saying that, uh, you know, this is, this is something that we got to make a huge issue. It's, um, it's, you know, he, he, um, he hangs around for a while. Um, he's interviewed on uh, BC. It was one of the BBC radio networks Four, I think it was radio four interviewed him. Um, it's interesting that, uh, sort of the responses from people who know about the history of, of the UFO, the UFO thing, um, you know, saying what, what we've been saying, this is, this is what he's saying is not new. What he's saying has not been proven. It's been asserted a lot over the last few decades, but it's, it's not been proven. And the only thing different about Grusha's claims is that they were made before Congress and not in a book or on a radio program or a podcast or something. Right. It's, it's the sort of, you know, logical fallacy of, of sort of like accepting an argument because, well, this person has authority. So this is more likely to be true because this person is in the air force, which is not how evidence works. Right. Right. But, um, it, it, it was just, um, just ridiculous. Um, he, you know, they did, they did, um, uh, they, uh, it, yeah, it was, you know, the department of defense said, you know, we, 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 we don't have any information to verify this and it, it, it keeps, it keeps going and it's, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see a lot of this disclosure stuff come out in the elections this year. I think there's going to be people pushing that as uh, as a possible angle. It, it, it's, it's all getting out of control. So my take on Grush after all this time is that I think he might actually believe the things he's saying Mm -hmm. and that he's just being used as a pawn. What I don't know is exactly what their end game is, because it's obviously not UFO disclosure. I mean, this is kind of, I've heard the same stuff from so many different people over the years. I mean, you go back to Lazar and no, no matter what you think about Lazar, I suspect at least some of what he was saying, he really believed, um, but this stuff isn't going to get out if they don't want it to get out. Right. And, but at the same time, they're not, if they wanted it to get out, they would just tell us. There's no advantage to us, to this stuff coming out. And we really don't get a say in what they tell us. Right, right. Um, like there's, there's I, I talked about this probably the last couple of episodes. There's an excellent podcast out called Who Killed JFK? And it's done by Soledad O'Brien. And, um, oh man, I'm blanking on it. Uh, he's done a bunch of movies. Um but anyway, uh, you know, this is like a, a big deal podcast. And one of the most recent episodes of it, they're talking about the documents that were supposed to be released after 25 mm-hmm. years or whatever. Yeah. And how like Trump basically said, well, let the CIA des- decide what gets released or, or maybe Biden said that one of those two pushed it back. I think Trump pushed it back and then Biden said, well, we'll give CIA the control to, of what gets released. And the CIA is, of course, is one of the prime suspects of who was really behind it. So they don't want that information out. So all this do- the documentation that was supposed to be released has, is now not go- probably ever going to see the light of day because it would probably implicate the, the CIA. Yeah. So that's what happens when they don't want you to know something. Yes, they don't. Um, yeah, they don't. They, yeah. And they don't send people to, to Congress to reveal the truth. And, and what gets me, I, I feel like we say this every year, or at least I do, at what point did ufo people start believing what the government says about <laughs> ufos when I they're mean, saying what they want to hear exactly exactly and it, it's it's just so 
Oh, you, you you sort of you sort of just wish that there was just a little more widespread widespread um, consistency. You know, the, the government has secrets, but not this guy. This guy is telling everything, and uh, somehow he is remaining unmurdered. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so um, it just there's no there, there's there's no logic to the narrative. I mean, leaving aside you know, actual evidence of crashed saucers or whatever. Um, it, there, there's no consistency to the story they are telling. They're just, they're just going on um, emotion and belief and, yes. and this overriding desire to prove the skeptics wrong, no matter what. And it, it's, it, it's, it's kind of sad. It, it, it's getting to the point where, you know, you're expecting these people to just, just lose it. Um, Kirkpatrick, uh, who was who recently left that position of overseeing one of the UAP groups, he uh, he wrote an article for Scientific American where he says, "Look, people would come up with these stories. These stories had circulated forever." He said nobody came to him with evidence. Nobody came to him with um with their stories with testimony. And other people are saying, "No, I introduced you to Grush." Um, but I think, you know, the, the guy who ran the thing, but he's being lambasted on UFO. Twitter by people who are like, he's part of the cover-up. He's a PSYOP agent. You know, we can't trust him. It's like, but, but this was your guy who was going to reveal everything six <laughs> months ago. Uh, it, it's, it's, as he said in a, in an interview, I heard that, you know, somebody was like hanging out at his house, like stalking him. And it, it's just, I'm not, I'm waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting for one of these UFO people to just kind of lose it and get violent at somebody they think is obstructing disclosure because the level of obsession, I mean, it's, um, and, and the level of persecution and, and the level of, you know, poor us, this is the most important thing ever. And the government is wasting his time talking about, you know, inflation or whatever. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's weird. And, and also there's this sense that, um, be, because you're interested in, in UFO truth that somehow the, the government has an obligation to give you everything you want, regardless of the impact on national security, because these are national security issues, right? Yeah. Um, but, but you know, th this is, you know, yes, it might, it might reveal things about our defenses. We don't want other people to know, but UFOs. So it, it, it's just, it's just maddening. Uh, it, it, um, and I, I, I keep paying attention. I, I'm not as much as I used to, to the modern everyday UFO stuff. It's just, it's just so frustrating. Um, yeah. but you know, I keep, keep poking in, poking my head in once in a while to once in a while to see what <laughs> the latest news is. And, and there gosh, was absolutely no snark in anything you said. No, no not at all. This, 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 <laughs> pure, snark is pure, justified. It, it is. This is, this is, oh gosh, it's just awful. Well, it's, um, it's history repeating itself at a faster pace because of social networking. I, I think it is. I, I think um, I think there's a a churn to the information. I, I think it keeps rolling, 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 and people are presented with an algorithmically um, curated list of things in front of them. And if they um, click on one thing, then more things pop up, and and you're just inundated with these things and the stories can circulate because more people, different people are getting exposed to these things with who, who's, whose knowledge of this is a blank slate. And to them, everything is new and yeah. everything is exciting. 
and everything is is true. And I think the sort of arc of a UFO fanatic right now is, oh my gosh, what is this? This is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is true. This is so, tr- this is outstanding. And then they realize that nothing's happening and they fade away. You, you don't yeah. see people yeah. getting involved. And and I really don't think any of the, the big UFO Twitter posters and YouTubers, they're not going to be like, you know, this generation's Oh, I don't know. Pick an elderly ufologist who, you know, has been with it and, and doing it, you know, since the 60s right. when they were Stan in high Friedman. school. Or, Stan yeah, yes, Stan Friedman or even even some of the smaller names that have just been been just living the UFO lifestyle. Guys like um, out of Ohio, Rick Hilberg, who was one of those young guys in the 60s. He's been active, uh, active since then. Some of the guys in uh, some of the state MUFON organizations, this has been their life. You know, the, the UFO stuff is their life. And I, I, I don't see the, the, I don't know, this is turning into, uh, you know, old man yells at cloud, but you know, it's, um, it it just kids these days don't want to live the UFO life. Um, it, it does seem like very driven by the algorithm, driven by clickbait headlines and, um, maybe a depth of what's happened, a depth of knowledge of what's happened in the last year and a very shallow amount of knowledge over what's happened the last 70 years, which is where they sort of get into these pitfalls of not realizing that not only are these stories being recirculated, they're being recirculated by the same people. Heck, yeah. Richard Doty is out there yep. running his mouth. Why? Why do people <laughs> listen to Richard Doty? <laughs> Well, this guy seems to know a lot because, because most people do not think logically, they think emotionally. Yeah. And he's saying stuff they want to hear. Yeah. And I, I, oh gosh, kids read a book and not just kids, elderly people who too, who are like this. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, it's an attitude I associate with young people, but it affects all ages. Yes. Yeah. So there, there was one episode of, of this show, it was a couple of years ago now, where we had dismissed disclosure and they went on. I don't think it was a UFO history show. I don't remember which show it was, but we had talked briefly about some new disclosure thing and kind of dismissed it. And then we went on to talk about other more high strangeness type of stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. I got two comments about on that show that were like opposite each other. One said, uh, I don't like this show anymore because you keep disenchanting the world for me. And the other one was like, <laughs> in complete separate from that first comment, someone else said, um, I love this show because you've re-enchanted my universe and the way I look at things. And I went, how did I get such diverse comments on the same show? <laughs> and then I'm going, okay, I'll bet you anything that first person is being disenchanted by us, you know, pooping all over the disclosure movement. Yep. They want to believe it. We're making fun of it. We're, we're, we're throwing it out because we've seen all this stuff before. And that's disenchanting to the worst. The other person was probably, you know, more into the rest of the show and saying, oh, you know, look, we can, there's, there's all these different ways to look at this stuff. It's really interesting. Whereas the person with disclosure, that's all he wants to hear is the disclosure stuff. And we're saying, no, this is, this is not going to go anywhere. And we were right. It hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, nothing really, if you look at from the time two to stars started to now, maybe the only thing you really see different is that mainstream media doesn't quite joke around as much 
about yeah. the UFO issue. They take it a touch more seriously, but not that much. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I, I think they do take it a little more seriously. It isn't. Um, it isn't. It isn't used as the punchline and lighthearted story at the end of the newscast, which is usually where it used to be. And lastly, tonight, an out of this world story from Peoria. You know, some <laughs> yes. something like that. Um, but I think. The other thing that's changed, one one thing that's changed is that um, with the congressional hearings, with members of Congress going on the record talking about the need to look into this, I I see this getting getting connected to the actual political process a little more. I've seen some tweets from people about, you know, they're they've got a big uh, they they got their signs and they're picketing to primary this one guy who doesn't support the UFO hearings. So I, I, I think right. we're going to get, you know, is your congressman a disclosure congressman? You know, that, that sort of, that sort of thing. I, I, I you see a little bit more of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. I was looking at, uh, I, I, I like following Jason Colavito, even though I don't always agree with him at all. Well, who, I don't even know who this is. He is, he's, <laughs> he's one of those big ass skeptics. Uh, so he doesn't believe in any of this stuff, but a lot of times, especially with the disclosure stuff, he's dead on. Yeah. Um, and he, he has a year in review and he said in October, David Grush said that embracing UFO conspiracy theories helped him return to the mysticism of his lapsed Catholic faith with aliens <laughs> replacing the divine. Senator oh, oh, Christian. Oh, oh, oh man, I am I am so on board with that though. That's exactly the kind of like, <laughs> like Well that's like, that's I fine. Can, I, can, I can like just I could just oh I just want to like give Grush a hug for that one, but but I but it's it's for some completely you know inverted flipped upside down reason than, than, yeah. than the reason he's making fun of him uh, for, but keep and, going. And then it says Senator Kristen Gildebrand said that Grush got into a or the two of them got into a spat when Gildebrand claimed Grush wouldn't provide classified UFO secrets to the Senate unless Gildebrand gave him a free gave him free plane tickets to Washington. A claim <laughs> Grush denied members of the House of Representatives or d- denied. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, it's fun. <laughs> um, it's just delightful. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I follow, uh, Calavito too. And, and his, his Twitter feed is, is amazing. He, he sort of, I think as far as I know, made his name by, um, by critiquing ancient aliens yeah. on a, uh, yeah. consistent weekly basis. Um, Wait a minute. There's, there's yeah. things, there's like false information. On you know, it, you know, I, I mean, I was going to make my name by blogging about how I shoot fish in a barrel, but it seemed too easy. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> But he's he's been critiquing ancient aliens in a very, very serious way for a while. But if you follow his Twitter feed, um, there's like equal parts ancient aliens talk and in-depth research on, I, I guess, James Dean yes. ephemera. Yeah, he's like so, he's like obsessed with James Dean. Yeah, yeah, he is he is obsessed with James Dean. He's right. He's written a book about James Dean, which is what you do when you're obsessed with something. Right, right. Is you write a book about it. But um, I've written I've written well, four books on owls. I'll leave it there. You see, um, owls, James Dean. It's all uh, well, also yeah. also his big thing. I mean, because I'm pretty sure he's gay, uh, and so was James Dean, I guess. And so a lot yeah. of his writing on James Dean is is about how this was covered up back at the time at the back yeah. in the day. One thing that that gets me is 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 when he talks about how there is even now a conspiracy to cover up James Dean's sexuality, and I'm like, who doesn't realize James Dean was probably gay? <laughs> I mean, he looks like the cover of a D- Danish nudist magazine, you know. <laughs> Most of these, okay, these, like, he, it, it just. But keep in mind, 
until Rob Halford literally said, I'm gay, there were metalheads who did not know he was gay. True. True. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's a vast James Dean sexuality conspiracy in 2024. <laughs> no, probably uh, but, not. But, but Calafito is um, a national treasure, right? Uh, so I don't know about he's, that. He's a, he's a, he's a fun follow. He, um, he gets worked up. He, uh, there's, there were a few things he mentioned in his 2023 review where I went, that doesn't sound right. When I looked at it, I went, okay, yeah, you twisted this into, you know, to your narrative. So you're doing the same thing. You're just not doing it quite as much as other people are, but I mean, that's what people do. You know, you, you tend to have that bias and, and you'll twist mm-hmm. it into things that, you know, are sometimes funnier the way you're presenting them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, George Knapp is obviously out there a lot now, w- along with, uh, whatchamacallit? Jeremy Corbell. Yeah. And Corbell, I mean, Corbell just seems like a con man to me. Mm-hmm. He really gives that vibe. You know, he's a carny. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've, I feel like in the last couple of years, I've lost a little bit of uh, respect for Knapp as well as Valet. And I hate to say that, but, you know, Valet's last book, I mean, who was the guy who took it apart this year? Oh, um, God, I can't, I, I can't remember who it was. Oh, the out. Trinity book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Douglas Dean Johnson. Yes. Yeah. That was, that, that was ex- an extensive takedown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently it took Valet until about May to acknowledge that, you know, yeah, okay, some, we should, no, I guess it was after May. Um, he posted that in May. I think it took him to like August or something to say, you know, yeah, okay, so a lot of what he said was accurate. We should have done better research. Mm-hmm. But, you know, has, has in all the books that he has written, I don't think that's ever been said before. Like, no. Valet is one of those guys who was like on top of everything. And you just, you didn't read his books and go, this seems like BS. Instead you read his books and went, wow, okay, this guy really, you know, even though he, and he would question his own conclusions, he would, you know, always be like, you'd read one book and then you'd read the next book and you'd see how his, his thinking evolved. He released all his journals, which gives you an even more insight into that. Um, and then this Trinity book. Yeah. It just, when when I read Trinity, it just, it it just sloppy, just, just sloppy and, and holes in it and things that didn't add up. And I, it it was not up to, it was not up to his, his usual standard. Yeah. And those are Um, high standards. Let's, let's be fair too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, what was I going to say about it? There was something else about that. Uh, yep. Never mind. Lost it. Uh, yeah, they thought? do go to the owl bar in the very first page of the, the Trinity book. That's as far as I get into it. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't read it. I know they published two different versions of it. I do hope it's not Valet's last book. Yeah. I hope that he does something else that is, I, I, oh, I know what I was going to say. So part of the explanation I've heard is that they wanted Congress to look at records older than whatever they were looking at, like 1947 or something like Mm -hmm. that, and that they rushed this book out hoping that this would cause Congress to look at earlier records. And that is exactly what happened. Okay, yeah. So they moved the date back to, oh, here it is, 1945. Mm -hmm. Um, No, 1945. That is not it. I I don't know what it was. Like, whenever this Trinity thing happened, which would have been like 38 or something. Yeah, something like that. So Congress did, because of this book, move their inquiries back to 1938. Mm. And I think that was part of Javale's justification of why this book was rushed to print and why there might be so many holes in it. So maybe there was an ulterior motive here that it wasn't 
so much that Valet really believed in this story so much as he wanted Congress to expand their search and maybe release some stuff that might be useful from the past. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, that would be great. Actually, that would be really interesting to get stuff from, um, even, even, you know, a decade, uh, a decade earlier than, uh, than we usually think of as the dawn of the flying saucer age. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good outcome in, in that sense, but I'm, I'm kind of sad that, yeah, I, I also hope it is not his last book that would, yeah. Yeah. But at least he has a, you know, what dozen books out there at least. Yeah. He's he's not hurting. He's not hurting for high quality (laughs) output. He can point to. Yeah. His, his, his career is solidified as one of the most important ufologists ever, no matter the Trinity book one way or the other. Yeah. It, 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 the, the Trinity book will be a, you know, probably won't even really be mentioned. Yeah. 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 Um, so Mike, it was one of the things you brought up out, Robbie Graham died this year or last year. Robbie Graham died. Yeah. And this year, uh, last year in February of last year. Yeah. And he, I, I was pretty close with Robbie. I, I spent time with him, a lot of time with him in England and got to drive around with him. And, you know, so that, and he, he and I used to talk a lot. So, um, I, I'm going to be very, not saying anything that's not, I have had a big, long issue with clinical depression in my life. We've talked about this on your show plenty and Robbie did also. And, and I've talked to him at points during his struggles with that. So, um, Robbie did a wonderful book called, um, silver screen saucers, which I would recommend to anyone. It was, it's a very readable and academic study of the UFO, uh, lore, in, in Hollywood. And how it shows up in in movies and in TV shows and such such like that. So he did that was a very well researched, very entertaining book, and I would recommend that highly. He also was editor of another book called um, "Reshaping the Debate," "Reframing yes, the Debate," "Reframing the Debate." Reframing yeah. Debate. Yeah. And were you in that, Aaron? In that book? No, no. Okay, a bunch of folks we would recognize. Yep. Would be Red in Pills that. in there. Oh. Josh is in there. I'm in there. Uh, yep. With um, yeah, there's a lot of names you would recognize. Yeah. Um, Ryan Sprague is in there and, and, uh, um, but, uh, and he took that very seriously. I remember having long conversations with him because I wrote a chapter for that and, and he was, a, he was actually a great editor for me in that one. And, uh, and he was funny and, and, um, so yeah, that hit me really hard. That hit me really hard. Um, and when, when the news emerged, so, um, and I, did you ever interview him for the silver screen saucers? I, book? I did not. I've never read the silver screen saucers book. Oh, it's a pretty good one. You can pick it up and read it in the middle. I mean, it's it's not like a it's not like you, you can get where he's going. You can just open it up and you know skim through the index and find stuff that mm. you know. But he and he was really good at, at like um, uh, oh, just being like that. He was he like really researched some some simple things that that are part of the apocryphal lore, and he went in and found like source materials and things like that. For instance, Steven Spielberg supposedly showed, well, not supposedly, Steven Spielberg went to the White House, showed the movie E.T. Uh, Reagan was president, someone who worked in Hollywood. And and then at the end of the movie, you know, Reagan kind of said, you know, there are, you know, there are very, only a few people in this world who actually know how true this story is. And they're in this room and, and uh, in, in implying that, you know, the secret keepers in Washington were in the theater in the basement of the white house and had watched the movie with everyone else in the room. And, mm. and he told that in a way that that that's one of those things that really lights the fire of the, of the, uh, conspirators, 
conspiracists. Is that a word? I think it is. Yeah, and, close um, enough to a word. Yeah, and and he basically said it was, you know, it was it's it's a nice story, but but that's the kind of folksy charm that that Reagan had, and and not to read too much into it. Reagan right. had only been in office for like a year and a half at that point or less. I think he, yeah, I think it was in the first year or so of his of his being president. So, um, hmm. so. So that's one little anecdote that shows up in the story. But there's some great stuff. There's a movie called Hangar 17. He writes a lot about, a lot about that. Oh, yeah. 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 So Didn't um, they do a Mystery Science Theater on that one? Oh, oh, deservedly so if they did. But the but the, 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 the I, I think it was in the very first season when they were actually still on cable access. So that, uh, that okay. yes. lost yes. season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you pointed out that, uh, Ken, uh, whatchamacallit, Ken Thomas died this year, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Thomas was, um, just uh, ran steam shovel press, wrote, uh, numerous books, more conspiratorial than, um, than strictly UFO stuff, but his book, um, about, uh, about the Maury Island, uh, the Maury Island incident, um, I think it's called Maury Island UFO. And then there was a, a second sort of version of it that came out later called uh, JFK and UFO, which sort of delves into the deep background of uh, people like Fred Chrisman, who was part of the whole Maury Island affair back in the day, but then was also sort of you know, on the fringes of the um, Richard Shaver scene, writing in with stories about how he was um, you know, he, he discovered the world of the Dero while in the South Pacific during World War II. And then later he's was rumored to be on the grassy knoll in Dallas. Um, so the connections between the people in the, the Maury Island and JFK, such it's been way too long since I've read it, but yeah. it is, um, it is a really good book and, um, any interactions I ever had over email or, or social media with, with Ken, just a really nice guy. Uh, Steam Shovel Press was was one of those books where, or one of those magazines that um, you'd you'd flip through an issue. You'd you know, I'd I'd find the old issues on eBay or whatever. You'd flip through it and you just within the first ten pages, there's there's like eight conspiracy like ideas or deep <laughs> political ideas that you you'd never even been exposed to, and huh. you're like, wow, this is this is major stuff. But yeah, um, it, it's uh, it, it's a loss because he was. One of those guys who who back in the the nineties, especially in early two thousands, was was writing some really uh, really interesting stuff that you know when I was in college got me hooked on a lot of this this conspiracy stuff. His book about the uh, the gemstone file and the JFK stuff and uh, LSD experimentation and, and and things like that. Um, really uh, really interesting guy. Really uh, prolific. Uh, conspiratorial or parapolitics writer. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure who else died this year, but, uh, but Ken Thomas. Um, yeah. And, yeah. uh, I mentioned earlier that who shot, uh, JFK podcast. It's on yeah. iHeartRadio, radio and it's Soledad O'Brien and Rob Reiner. Oh wow. Yeah. I, I actually okay. looked that up. Yeah. Meathead. Yeah. It was, it was... <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, the, but you know, having those two names attached to it gives it a little more, Oh um, yeah. Validity. And they, you know, unlike if there was, a, if the level of UFO disclosure was like this podcast, it could be taken very seriously. That's what we're not getting from the UFO disclosure movement. You know, they have facts, they have documents, they have, uh, you know, detailed data 
that you know you can actually find and verify rather than well someone said right right it, it's yeah it's <laughs> um it, it's a very different thing i just subscribed to that podcast it sounds incredible it is um, so, What's now, this is completely sort of a tangent, but um, you mentioned Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner, and um, and Mike said, "Oh, Meathead." It's like, boy, there's you know, there's a, a sort of even within Gen X, there is a there is a, a division between people for whom Rob Reiner is Meathead and people like me for whom Rob Reiner is oh the director, you could yes, and, and yeah. that yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, how do you remember Rob meathead, Reiner? Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Quick mid-show break and a recommendation. Uh, you can contact us uh, at wheredotheroadgo.com. Everything is there. Every social media account, everything is linked. So, uh, yeah, that's the place to go, wheredotheroadgo.com. And uh, if you want to become a patron, you'll get extra stuff almost every week, sometimes almost full-length extras. Uh, you'll get to show a week early uh, and and bonus stuff here and there as well. If you like heavy music, particularly metal, although it's not all metal, I do a show called The Last Exit for the Lost that uh, you can find at thelastexit.org. It's more underground stuff. It's not stuff you're going to hear everywhere else. All right. As for a recommendation, I don't think I've recommended this one before. I'm kind of surprised. Giannis Descending. So that's J-A-N-U-S, Descending. And the first part of it, uh, there's there's two parts, but the first part of it is uh, out of order. So you kind of get pieces of the story as they go. So they don't, you're not listening to it in chronological order. This is a, it's a sci-fi horror, Lovecraftian sort of podcast. And it's, it's put together beautifully. It was just a fabulous story. And then I, if I remember right, there's a second part called Descendants, that uh, is kind of the aftermath of all that. But uh, well worth checking out if you're into any of those things, sci-fi horror or Lovecraftian horror particularly, because it's really, really well done. All right, that's my recommendation for you for this week. Now back to UFO history. So I am here with Aaron Gullius and Mike Cleland, and this is the first show of the 12th year of Where Did the Road Go? You guys are always the first show after the anniversary. Hey, all right. So, uh, and it's been that way for quite a few years now. After It's if, been, what was it, 2017, 2018, something like that? Somewhere in there. I, yeah. I had had you both on separately that December, I think. And I was like, wow, I really like talking to both of these guys. And you come from different sides of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want to put you together in a show. And let's just talk about the history of UFOs and I somehow thought that was going to fit in one show. <laughs> How, what, we had a count for it like 10 shows ago, and it baffled me then that we did this many. So. Yeah. I tried to put it all together in one show, and YouTube limits like length. I forget what it is, like 20 hours and or 10 hours. Maybe it's 10 hours, and I had to split it into multiple parts because it was too long. Wow. And uh, it's at least two parts up there, I think. And, uh, cause I just did like the UFO history mega show for people who didn't want to have to scroll back and find each one in the past. And now at the beginning of the, each year's after the anniversary, it's you two talking about the previous year. And, uh, the problem I'm finding is that so much of this is, is being hidden by disclosure. Like that's where all the focus is. So all, anything else that's going on just gets buried. No one's really talking about it as much. Yeah. Um, there was, it was a Twitter post I saw where someone said, 
the government has admitted that there are or that we have UFOs or something like that, and nobody's talking about it. And I'm like, and what? However, they quoted it, it was a specific quote, and I'm like, what? What is? <laughs> what are they talking about? And then I googled it, and it was just the guys who saw the 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 TikTok saying, yeah, we don't have technology like that, okay? And now you've turned this into a headline of the government admits that we have UFOs and, or that UFOs are real and that, what? You know. <laughs> and some of that also is just the clickbait type of nonsense that we get today with everything. Yep. So there's also that factor being put into it. You know, yeah. UFOs it, are real, really? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all I can say is. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike? yeah, and I can I can say that I can say that. So if you so in this age of disclosure, if you have written four books about like the esoteric qualities of owls and their relationship to UFOs <laughs> and spiritual events, l- let me tell you, like like you are not part of that. You're not like I'm. Nobody's my phone's not ringing. Let me put it that way. So <laughs> no, it's calling me to ask me, but you know, like to, to come be on CNN or or Joe Rogan or something. So. But your books are connecting with people in a very real way. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm not saying I'm. I'm saying yes. I, from the from the grassroots up, I'm. I've got like I'm, my life is rich and and full. And from the you know uh, the mainstream down, uh, like I'm invisible essentially. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, I did get I did get footnoted in that book, um, UFOs at the Pentagon. I'll, I'll say that. So really? That, yeah. There's a little point in there where they were talking about the the um, hitchhikers. This is the UFOs at the Pentagon. I think it's yeah. Tom Kelleher, um, and and um, George Knapp, and then there's one other author credited on the cover. I can't remember who it is right now. Um, but there's a scene where there was a woman who had CIA credentials. I've looked her up a little bit and she had spent time. I think I've got this right. I'm paraphrasing it close, uh, spent time at, um, the ranch, the skinwalker ranch. And then when she went home back to her house in Virginia or somewhere like that, um, she had an experience where she was driving down the road and like some gigantic owl with a 10 foot wingspan swooped down and, and, and attacked her car. And she supposedly had scratch marks on the car. And, and that's, that, that's referred to as part of like the hitchhiker effect where right, you, right. you, you interact with this paranormal doorway or hub, and then it follows you home, it essentially hitchhikes home with you. So lots of stories about people having issues with their electronics once they get back from Skinwalker Ranch uh, and, and then one big owl story, but they did my name's right in there. So, um, so I'm, I'm not being totally ignored. Actually, George Knapp has, I've interviewed three times on coast to coast each time it was with the other with the george which i prefer be careful i don't want to be mean to the george from michigan to george uh george Norrie was born in detroit yes. as was i so uh I, so we could talk wait but uh george knapp i did a george knapp was great yeah each time i interviewed him he read the book he was really super you know buttoned up as far as how he how he his, he had actually he he really read the book yeah before I went on the and show, and so. and when I started this show he's one of the people I modeled my interview style after because I always try to read the books uh, and know the questions it was very clear when you listen to him that he knows what he's talking about when he's interviewing mm-hmm. his guests yeah of course he's also only doing one show a week versus George Norrie <laughs> who's doing five or six. Yeah. And could have up to 10 guests a week, which there's no human being who's going to go through all those books. It's just not no. n- not reasonable. In the totally different style, yeah. Yeah. Search, yeah. Um, it's a late night radio thing. So. so, Mike, you said Robin Lassiter's book came out. I'm not familiar with them offhand. Robin Lassiter is a woman. She lives in Colorado. Uh, she had a she, – she sort of had her – awakening experience like i'm gonna say i'm gonna be really careful like four or five years ago maybe even less than that 
And she felt compelled to write this book. She wrote a really good book and called Earth, A Love Story. And uh, it was originally a podcast. She wrote it as a book and she did it as a multi-part podcast. I think it's like an 11 chapter book or 12 chapter book. And I think she did it in 12 or 16 podcasts. So you can listen to the whole audiobook. It's online, a little bit of work to, to kind of click through the, the thing she's right on, you know, Apple podcasts and everything like that, Earth, A Love Story. And her accounts, she's got a really poetic way of writing. So this is funny. I did. So what, and one of the things I've been doing the last few years is I've been doing um, layouts for books. So I, so like, and they're kind of my friends and UFO books. So people like Dosh and and uh, and Robin Lassiter. So I did her book, and um, and it's it really it's a really interesting read. It's not a long book. It reads like I'm really cautious to say this. Read like really reads like a poetry book or something. Really thoughtfully written. It's not written for the nuts and bolts crowd at all. Mm. And um, so yes, yeah, so and she's got a great. She's got her. She's doing a, blog, a podcast now. Like everyone in the whole world is doing, it seems. And um, yeah, her her book is great. And it's got a really rich and thoughtful and, and lots of self-examination of herself. You know, it really feels like you're, it's a memoir, like it's a deep memoir. Let me put it that okay. way, about trying to come to terms with this mystery in her life. The, and, and I don't think she, she uses the word UFO in it and stuff like that, but it, that's such a small part of the overall book. And, and, it, and honestly, she has such a wonderful way of reading her own work. That listening to the to the multi-part podcast Earth a Love Story, where she reads the the chapters of the book, is is amazing. Oh, huh, okay. And and then oh, and then when she did publish the book, this is this is she, this is going to lead into another thing here. Uh, Suzanne Chancellor was her editor. Of oh, that okay. Book. So so they got to be buddies. I introduced the two of them. They got to be buddies, and and the book is so the if the book is not intensely different, but there's there's a, some sentences have been cleaned up a little bit for the print book. Gotcha. Versus the, the thing you would listen to on the, the where she reads aloud from the podcast. So okay, all right. Um, yeah, I had Suzanne on uh, twice in the last year. I know that was on my list here. Events ah. of 2023 was Suzanne Chancellor on Where Did the Road Go? <laughs> yeah, I had, uh, she, I think she just wrote me and mentioned that she was a friend of yours and she had experiences and wanted to come on and talk about them. And that uh, one of my other first time guests this year, Leo, uh, who had some weird experiences on an island uh, up by Niagara Falls, if I'm remembering right, um, which he initially took to be more Bigfoot related. But as he started talking, I'm like, this is weirder than a normal Bigfoot thing. Like, this is, there's something else going on here. Um, but then the two of them, uh, along with one of my other uh, previous guests, did a did a roundtable where we discussed all this stuff and that went really well and in very interesting directions. And she had a podcast for a while that's all that's yeah. all on there and she interviewed um oh what's his name? Ian Anderson from Yes. So Really? Oh. You know, who kind of hinted that he had UFO experiences and it was he kinda of danced around it, but you could you, you don't have to read you can read between the lines pretty easily on that one. So and then, uh, oh, here's a funny story. So when I was originally my my book, the the unseen was going to be a comic book. I was going to do it initially as a comic book, huh. and I did all these sketches. And this was back around 2010. And I think I met Suzanne in 2011. And Suzanne and I are the same age. And she has a. Did she tell when you did the show with her? Did she tell you how she met her husband Jack? I don't know. Oh wow, wow! You want a weird story? I, like, I think like, so, but I don't remember it. Yeah. So so. Uh, but so I'm, I met her, I never, I hadn't met her in person, but we met and talked on the phone a lot before she met her husband, Jack. And, uh, it's a powerful story. 
And I was working on The Unseen. So I was drawing this fictional character, and I kind of knew just what I wanted the main character, John. Remember I said he had all his hair. So I drew this character. <laughs> he had kind of this, this kind of short hair and this kind of – and I really had this thing where I was like, oh, his profile. Like, I just know just how I want him to look. I want his profile. I want his nose to be just like kind of like a – there's kind of a term, a Roman nose, which is – so I had this kind of nose drawn and this character drawn and this kind of expression drawn and we had his beard and how tall he was and everything like that. And I did a handful of drawings of those. And then she had, she, then she met Jack and she put pictures up and I, I am not kidding. I am not kidding. Like I drew Jack Wow. and, and Jack, I'm not saying anything that she's, and they both haven't talked about a lot publicly. Jack has had contact experiences. Suzanne has had contact experiences. They met in a, what, certainly feels like an orchestrated way. Oh, that's, that's right. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. did talk so about they, this they, very much an orchestrated meeting. And then, uh, uh, and then I was sort of swimming in my own kind of, that was actually kind of when I was crazy. <laughs> Those years where I was like around 2010, I was like, Holy crap. My, my, my world is coming in for, but my world is unfurling around me. And, uh, and that's when I drew the images of, of what are clearly, and I mean, I kind of, it's pretty darn close to how Jack looks. And this was a fictional character in my mind. That was essentially me, but so it's like, so Jack could have played me in the movie, but 10 years have gone by and we're all a little too old for that now. So the, John's a little, the main character's a little younger. The mm. story takes place in 2009, which was, wasn't too long after 2010 when I think I, when she met Jack. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was a, so who wants to take the NASA UAP thing? Oh, Oh, I'll take um, those groans as Aaron has oh. some snarky comments to make. What is not, the NASA not, UAP thing? I don't even know what it is. Not not snarky. Um, it, it's it's more that I mean it's 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 good. I mean NASA does a report that says there are strange things. They're not extraterrestrial. It, it it isn't you know Condon level dismissive, but they established an office to look at these things and. There, th this is what this is how UAPs should be studied by scientists trying to determine what they are. Right. Now, does that technique work for people having strange experiences on an individual basis? No, NASA is not going to take that up. But strange things in the sky. Look, um, the only people who are upset about this sort of thing are, are people who um, think every time the answer isn't alien spaceships that it's a cover up. Right. Um, right. So. I, I think it's, I think it's neat, but I think it's neat. And I think it's, it's just, I, you see the, the sort of dismay from people who thought this was going to be, you know, an, another breakthrough disclosure moment. And you just sort of wonder, you know, did they really think that was going to happen? Were, were they really holding out hope that, that NASA was going to, to finally reveal what what they know and, and say that Richard Hoagland is right about hyperdimensional physics and the face on Mars and all these secrets are going to come out. No, NASA's going to, there are a bunch of scientists who are going to do science stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and being shocked by that is, is confusing to me sometimes. <laughs> you know, Hoagland, when, when his, his early stuff, I still find interesting, but at a certain point to Hoagland, everything that we found in the solar system was somehow artificial. Yes. Yes. And the, the depths of the cover up to uh to to stop this and 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 like well why art bell say but, but but richard why why would they cover it up to this length and art 
the Brookings Report. Remember the Brookings Report. Yeah. And I did like a Patreon bonus episode where I was like, okay, let's look at the Brookings Report. Let's let's see what it says. And it doesn't really say that you must cover things up because people will panic if there are alien ruins on the moon or another planet, which is what Hoagland always, uh, always sort of said, that Brookings yeah. said there would be a panic and you got to cover it up. Brookings doesn't say that. It, it, it doesn't use that kind of language at all. Now, newspaper reports about the Brookings report give that impression. So I kind of think Hoagland's never actually read the Brookings report. I think he just read a New York Times article about it mm. and sort of expounded from there. But far be it from me to besmirch the man who uncovered the horrific uh, hyperdimensional Old Navy conspiracy back in the day. Wait, what? But uh, yeah, yeah, he was one of the numbers. I, I think they had something that was like nine or $18 and 70 cents. And he was like, or, or nine or whatever his hyperdimensional yeah. number is. It was like in a price in on an ad. And he was like <laughs> Old Navy. And so people were, he was encouraging people to go into Old Navy and ask the employees, you know, certain questions. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, the high whoa, school whoa, whoa, kid. Wait, Old Navy, like the place where you get like denim shirts. Yeah. Indeed, yes. Wow. The very okay, I didn't know what to, the the tentacles. There's the tentacles for you right there. Yeah, I, I might not <laughs> right be entirely right about like the um the, the thing, but it was it was something. It was like in '99 or something like that. And, wow. And Hoagland was 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 just, he's just oh, um it, it's well, it, it's hilarious yeah you know the, the 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 things with nasa like okay so it was found you know part part of where nasa comes from is a magician in uh parsons and some of that stuff still seems to kind of be in there like certain dates and stuff do seem to to you know align mm -hmm. with stuff nasa's doing and naming conventions and stuff like that um, you know, so it and might a Nazi in a Nazi, they had a Nazi. Yes. Too. Yeah. So it's yeah. possible. It's possible that, yes, a lot of this stuff is done with some esoteric naming and stuff like that, because these people are actually, some of these people are into that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. And also the fact that NASA went from being fully publicly funded to having private companies, yes. uh, sponsor some of their satellites. So they didn't have to release anything directly. Yep. Always stuck out to me like what why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean there's there's some fishy things every once in a while with NASA, but it doesn't prove a cover up. It's just and I would think if anything, being able to look at the stuff ahead of time, make sure that if they do find something weird, they can break it the way they want to break it or not yep. announce it if they don't want to. Um, but it doesn't mean that they ever found anything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um and the thing is I I when like better imaging came out later and the face didn't really look like a face, you know, um, that's a government conspiracy, that's right? It, it's, conspiracy. you know, they, they had the how imaging experts in there to explain how, how, well, you know, the reason it looked like this then and now is because they changed this. Well, why would they do that? Um, yeah, it, it's well, uh, yeah. The one thing I'll say about Hoagland is, is when that happened and they got the better imaging of the face, um, they did do it from a weird angle and they did run it through a bunch of filters. So what Hoagland asked them is, can I have the raw image? Right. And they said, yeah. no. And it's like, why wouldn't you just give him the wrong raw image? Are you trying to stir up this stuff? You know? Yeah. That didn't make any sense to me because, because yeah, the, um, the, it was, it was really processed, but yeah, NASA saying, no, you can't have that. Um, it, it doesn't, it does just, just keep fueling 
uh, fueling it. And I think Hoagland is, is he's still with us, isn't he? Yes. He's, oh yeah. He's still, he's got a, last I knew he had some kind of show. Um, but, uh, um, oh, that reminds me of somebody else who passed recently. Oh. Uh, Ian Punnett. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. Yeah. Ian Punnett, uh, from coast to coast and, and, uh, Minneapolis radio too. Long time, uh, sort of morning host in, in, um, in Minneapolis, um, died December. Yeah. I think, um, really, uh, really interesting guy. Um, journalist then went, uh, got a divinity degree and, and also went into, um, went into, uh, to broadcasting. And, and I always liked him as a coast to coast yes. host. Yeah, he I, good. I, he was, he was funny and charming and, um, smart, like a legit smart guy. Um, but, but always came across really well, asked good questions. Um, he, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked him. Um, I, uh, yeah, that was, um, he wasn't, he wasn't that old. 63. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which, you know, when you're a kid, that's old, but man, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, that, that's, that, that's not old at all. That's, that's not old enough to die from old age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, yeah, it's too, uh, too bad. Yeah. It was a liver, non-alcohol related liver disease. Ah, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Mike, you mentioned that the UFO tarot came out, which was designed by red pill junkie. Yep. And, uh, Josh was involved with that. Greg, who else was, um, there was uh, at least one other person. Demeter. That's it. I'm just doing this off. The, Cause I just, I've talked with both of them, like, uh, Susan Demeter and then, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember who else. Oh, I'm drawing a blank, complete blank on a few of them. Um, I mean, we've done a whole show on, on, on the deck when it came out, when they were doing the oh, Kickstarter. Oh, good, good, good. Um, but, uh, it's, beautiful. it's beautiful. It is. His work on that is just fantastic. And I think they were talking about doing the whole the whole deck rather than just the, the main cards. And the, have you talked to, to, to uh, Miguel about this? Yeah. Okay. There, there was some, some mention of them possibly doing all the cards, and Miguel was like, it might kill me. I was going to say, I was going to say like, you better, better ask Miguel first before you make that decision. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I, um, I attempted to do a tarot deck and I got a little ways into it and I was like, good God, what am I, what am I? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, so you gotta be pretty dedicated to do, well, I don't know what it is, 74 high quality cards. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it looks beautiful. I think they still had some left. Um, yeah. Cause I think they made some extra copies. I'm not sure what's going on. I talked to I talked to uh, Greg a little while ago, and I he he kind of said, "Yeah, we're waiting on something." So, hmm. and they did do a book with it as well, if I remember right. I didn't get the book; mm-hmm. I only got the deck. Um, so, uh, all right. Leo so, Sprinkle has an owl in that that was that was uh, with his white yeah. hat on. So, yep. Um, we have a few minutes left, so here here's here's a big question for both of you. Mm-hmm. What do you think the real goals, and I'm talking like CIA government level goals are of this disclosure stuff? Oh, can I oh, um uh, go ahead. let me go first because yeah, because I, I don't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> My sense is like I'm peripherally interested in some of this stuff, not enough to like I you know, honestly, I cannot like you know, on TikTok or whatever, there's like the uh, Facebook, Instagram version of TikTok kind of yeah. thing. So, uh, like, you know, they're like a minute. Yeah. You know, like little things. I can't make it through a minute. I can't make it through a minute of <laughs> like, I can watch cats for minutes. I can watch, you know, like, you know, kids jump roping and stuff like that. I can't make it through a full minute. 
so so that's where I'm at. But uh, but of like Rush or any of these you know reportings and stuff like that, it just it I just my toes curl in my shoes and I just like I just have a full body like almost allergic reaction to it. So um, but I would say you know I I suspect some little pieces are true, right? So to say ten things. Some percentage of those 10 things are going to be true. Right. What it is, I don't have the patience to try to figure out. And at the same time, like it's, it's the, it's as, like, it's nothing new. I mean, it was kind of no. like what, what but I, I guess Starr said. And, and then, oh, but I think they want to control the narrative in okay. some way. That, that would be as simple as it is. And this is, this is coming from direct back and forth conversations I had with, um, with uh, Robbie Graham, and he was really, he was actually a really good resource on this because he took some of this very seriously, and then mm. recognized some of it was the was a laughable mess, and said, "Ah, oh, but what this little thing in the corner?" Like, ah, this. So my sense is that they want to control the narrative and a little bit of misdirection, right? So that so the, the 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 magician on the stage has got something in his hand, some shiny object in his hand, and everyone in the audience is looking at that shiny object and his, you know, as he waves his hand around, and he's doing something just just at the edge of his coat with his other hand. And that's what I want to know. What's going on? What are they directing us away from? Yeah. And um, so... Aaron? I think um, I, I've got some... Uh, a, a very... I, I think overall there is a lot of of this controlling, uh, controlling the narrative. I, I think there might be things that they want out there and, and things they don't want out there. Right. So they're making sure that, that their message gets out, probably directing people away from something they don't want people thinking about or considering. But I also think on a more, uh, prosaic, uh, level, um, I think there's probably some intention, some effort on the part of people within various agencies to engineer a situation where some of this can be spun off into private companies that they will then profit from. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that's, um, I think that's a big part of it. I think there's some, and you know, there's names in that part of the UFO world who, you know, hefty funding of things and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, and you know, when, when stuff's privatized, boy, then, then you don't have to, you know, you have to go in front of Congress. Yeah. yeah you can't, can't FOIA that stuff. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think there's the, the overall controlling a narrative, probably controlling individuals, um, prominent individuals and using them as, as, you know, witting or unwitting mouthpieces, um, to spread whatever message that they think needs spreading. I think, I think that's, that's the ultimate goal, but I, I think there is a, a sort of shorter term, um, sort of profit motive as well. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, it also does a good job of sowing further division, which of course is always useful in uh, politics. Yep. Um, and uh, along with that division, it helps muddy the waters of real re- UFO research because again, we look when we look back through the last year, it it just it outshouts everything else. Yep. Yep. So, you know, for anyone really trying to find out, hey, what's what's going on here, you you look up anything UFO related, and all you get is disclosure stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it hide it hides, you know, it it just just floods the the whole internet with it. So that's all you're easily going to find. Yeah, it's um, it really does sort of sort of drown out every other aspect of it um more so even than the abduction stuff used to you know yes. it, it's yeah um this is just so overwhelmingly just fire hose of disclosure you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going to do a patreon segment but uh, where can people find you guys uh aaron 
Uh, you can find uh, my podcast, The Saucer Life, at saucerlife.com or your uh, your favorite uh, podcast application. Okay, what about your books? Uh, books, uh, if you go to saucerlife.com, they're all listed there. Um, conspiracy culture, UFO culture stuff. Yeah, they're all all listed there. All right, Mike? With, with links for easy purchase. Ah. Uh, you can just type in UFOs owls into any search engine. I'll come right up and my, my homepage should, should be right there in the top of the list. My homepage for my website is uh, mikecleland.com, all one word. And from there, you can get to uh, the books on Amazon. You can get to some art stuff that I've done over the years. You can get to my blog. You can get to a couple of podcasts that I ran. And uh, all of that stuff is archived, carved, or excuse me, all of that stuff is archived. archived on that hub i yeah, like our carved our carved yeah that's that's that anteater isn't that what they're called yeah so <laughs> all right thank you both i want to take a moment here to thank all of my patreons without you this show would not be possible and i want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging ten dollars or more greg ross Illuminati, chuck shutters leanne cherry matt in delaware allison cook super inframan steven st george 36 Dingo, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Matthew Sproul, Midnight Review presents Christine, a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Andrew Malone, Anne Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Bright Rectangle, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy and Communicable, CJ, Craig Parmenter, Diane B, MTK, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, History and Coffee, Jay, Jay Otto Bullet, Jack Huntington, James Lindsay, Jim and Sophie, John Mattingly, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L, Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linda, Linz Jackson K, MJ Armstrong, Mark Brady, Mr. Weird, Oli Andre Olar, Colin Karras. Paul Jeffries, Perry Peters, Philosopher of Mirrors, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Schmooples, Devourer of Mortal Souls, Stacy Sherwood, Stevie Norman, Strange Stories with the Seeker and Skeptic Podcast, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, The Esoteric Book Club Podcast, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Veroche K, Victoria Elant, Vincent Trewell, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Annabelle Smith, Caroline Walker, and TDT Skunk Works. Thank you all so very, very much. Okay, if you enjoyed that, there is a Patreon segment to follow. Uh, and if you want to become a patron, you can do so at the website, wheredidtheroadgo.com, and click on the Patreon link. Everything else is there as well, including all the old episodes with Mike and Aaron that go back many years. want to welcome a few new patrons, James Burke, Daniel, Schmooples, Devourer of Mortal Souls, and a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain. The last two of those, you guys have been members for a while, but it just popped up as meet new members, so I, I like saying your names, so I'm going to. And we're going to take you out with some One-Eyed Doll off Remonstered, which really isn't available anymore. They took all their stuff down. But here you go. This is a song called UFO. I'll see you next time.
listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. <laughs>